In Spanish, its name means the Meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, Lost Wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the best of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Over the course of the last year or so, I've had the opportunity to talk gambling and gaming with some very cool guests and cover what I thought were some fun and interesting topics. We talked about everything from how to bet on sports to apps that help you keep track of table game limits to when skill becomes cheating and even superstitions as they relate to Las Vegas. As such, I thought it might be fun to take a trip back and listen to some of the highlights of those conversations. Enjoy. To start us off from episode number 36, Sports Betting for Dummies, here's Minty Bets. My first bet was... um a parlay, which is when you do when you pick two teams in one ticket. So um, the the risk is low, but the payout is higher. It was the Green Bay Packers and the Saints, and I remember both teams lost. I didn't do any research on them. I didn't even watch those games. Um, I was just like, wow, I can put twenty dollars to win like sixty. Um, that's cool, and I did it, and I lost. <laughs> At the time, I'm sure it seemed like a really decent, you know, investment, right? Of like when you see that you can only risk like five, 10, 20 dollars to get whatever 40, 50, 60, it seems like a good investment, but that's how the sports books make money is because a lot of people that walk in don't really know or think they know uh, what they're doing and they lose, which is great for the books. Well, and again, I mean, for me, you know, I, as I mentioned, you know, when we were getting ready for this this interview, I, I mentioned, you know, I have zero knowledge in the mm-hmm. world of sports betting. I mean, I I have no knowledge in the world of table games and I know even less about sports betting <laughs> than I do about table games. I walk mm-hmm. into a sports book for me, it's just confusion. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gibberish. It's a bunch of numbers on a mm-hmm. board. It starts looking like math to me. Yeah, they throw in a couple colors to make it a little more attractive. Red and green, it's like Christmas yeah. time. I and yeah. then and then I you see me, I'm the guy at the side of the before getting into line on my phone yeah. googling how to bet on yeah. sports i'm i'm that guy yeah, so yeah. you know i i wanted to bring you on because you know sports sports betting is a topic i've had people ask me to cover on this podcast and not knowing anything about it i thought you know what i need to i need to go to an expert and and lo and behold here you are so oh, goodness thank you <laughs> <laughs> let's let's start off by talking about you know a few different things first off and again this is just my knowledge from googling how do you read the money line and i guess the first question i should ask before that is what the hell is a money line <laughs> yes okay so i'm gonna start from square one okay money line might be like the second thing i'm gonna get into okay um so when you walk into the sports book super intimidating let me tell you guys first that i don't like walking into the sports book i get intimidated when there's a lot of people and of course 
it's a big open area. So when you're walking through, people are looking at you and judging you, or at least that's what I feel. And especially being like a woman going into a sports book, people are like, who's that? Right. Um, so I don't like going to the sports book. So I totally understand when people are intimidated and afraid to ask questions. But here we go. Um, I'm going to start with when you walk into a sports book, the first thing you see is that colorful board with a bunch of numbers and a bunch of team names and games playing today. That's called the odds board. That's what you want to look at first. Um, next you're going to see the teams that you want to bet on. Let's just use football and let's just use the Patriots and the Rams as a good example. Okay. okay. Let's say they're playing today. Um, the Patriots are going to be favored and the Rams are going to be the underdogs. So, um, typically what you want to look for first is going to be the rotation number. Um, the rotation number is just, uh, typically like a three to five digit number next to the team. And when you go up to the window, you're going to tell them the rotation number rather than, oh, Patriots uh, to win the game. You know, it's just quicker for them to look up, especially when it's game day and there's a line behind you. Gotcha. Um, so you're going to look up the rotation number. Let's just say it's like 901. Uh, to answer your question, Moneyline is just them winning straight up. So you would say the rotation number Say it's 901 money line. That means you bet on the Patriots to win straight up. They don't have to win by a certain amount of points. They just can't lose, but they have to win. Um, that's going to be the most common bet. Uh, next, you have a spread. And like I said earlier, let's just say the Patriots were favored in this game. Uh, let's say by seven points, because that's like a normal number. Okay. Um, if they're favored by seven points, that's the spread. You need them to cover the spread, which means you need them to win by over seven points in that game. If they win by less, like three, four or five points, you lose your bet. Um, the other side of that is going to be the Rams are going to be plus seven, which means they're underdogs and they're given seven points. So, that means they can lose, but no more by seven points. So that gives you a little wiggle room if you don't think the Rams are going to win, but you think it's going to be kind of a close game. That's a good bet to take. Okay. So yeah, money line is just winning straight up. And then the spread is just they have to win or lose by that amount of points. There's times when I wish this was a video podcast, because if you could have seen the look on my face when you said, even if they win, but they don't win by enough points, you still lose. I, I just had this dejected look on my face. Like what, what but they, but they won that. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. And that's what sucks is I've lost a lot of bets because they couldn't cover the spread or cover the amount of points that they're supposed to win. It sucks. So that's where you kind of get into a little more, I don't want to say intermediate, but intermediate betting is like, okay, I think they are going to win by a touchdown and an extra point. Um, so that's kind of when like studying and stats um, comes in. So can you bet just the money line or does the, do you have to bet the money line and the spread in this case? Oh, you can totally bet just the money line. You can oh, just bet okay. the win, but know that um, typically the more favored team uh you would have to put more money down to get money back. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Hence why you want to bet to cover the spread too, because yes. if they cover the spread, then you're going to win more than if they just win. Yeah. So typically when you bet on the spread, um, you're going to see a number behind the team name. 
And again, this is where visuals would really, really help uh, Jeff. But um, <laughs> it's, just, it's uh, theater. It's theater of the mind, Minty. It's theater yes. of the mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're working on our imagination right now. <laughs> so, um, so you're going to see a minus one ten behind the team name, and that's called the vig or the juice. That basically means minus one ten means that you have to put down $110 to win $100 back plus the 110 that you put in. Um, and that 110, I mean, why isn't it 100 to win 100? Why is it I have to put down 110 to win 100? Well, that's the little tax that uh, the sports book kind of takes to take your bet. Gotcha. So that's kind of where that money goes missing. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry if that was more confusing, but I tried my very best to use them. Simple. No, that's you know what I I already feel like I'm learning stuff kind okay, of. Okay, good. good. <laughs> so I guess I mean the next question you mentioned about the odds. Mm-hmm. Who determines the odds? Is and I'm sure there's the odds gods somewhere that are that are determining all these odds. Is the money line determined by the odds, or the odds determined by the money line, or the two not related at all? Am I just pulling stuff out of my <laughs> butt? What's happening? All these numbers are determined by the sports book and they have these special algorithms that determine that they go by past games. They go by injury report. They go by weather. They go by a ton of factors that we wouldn't even think of. Um, and if they're not getting enough money on one side, they'll adjust those numbers to make it more appealing to us betters um, to go to the other side to kind of balance it out. So the sports books, you know, will make money at the end of the day rather than losing money. Well, because of course, as you know, you and I both know, Las Vegas was not built on winners. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Up next from episode number 51, Cheating the Odds from Vegas Aces, here's Heather Ferris. So the first step when you're learning how to count cards is you learn the basic strategy. Um, It's also good to know the house edge when you're learning how to count cards. The next step after you've done both of these um, is to learn a count system. So what count system do you want to use? There's a ton of count systems out there, but which ones do you use? Well, I'm going to give you three count systems, um, but the first thing you do is what's the point of the count system? Uh, The point of the count system is to give the player enough information to determine one, when to bet more, two, when to deviate from basic strategy, and three, when to take insurance. Now, depending on what you want to accomplish, you're gonna use a different um, count system for each. So, which one do you wanna choose? Well, first off, First and most important thing is what kind of game do you want to play? Are you going to be playing a single deck or a multi-deck game? Because that's going to determine one count system. The second thing you're going to determine is what is the easiest count system for you? What can you learn? Some people are different. They can learn different count systems easier than others. But what count system is easier for you? Because a lot of them are pretty much, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them are pretty much the same. It's just a 0.01 deviation. Mm -hmm. So if one system is easier for you to learn than the other system, and there's only that 0.1 deviation, then learn the one that's easier for you. Because if it's easier for you, when you're in the casino and you're using it, it'll be easier for you you to get through that, that 
stressful period because it is stressful when you're doing it. Sure it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Now, both of these questions are far more important to what system to use. A lot of people say you have to use an advanced system. That's not necessarily the case. Simple is perfectly fine. The monetary difference between the advanced count and the simple count um, unless they're playing like several hours a day, like seven days a week, you're basically not going to see that in a lifetime of use. So you might as well just do the simpler, the better, you know. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the three different counts. The first one we're going to do is the high-low, and this is the most common one. And it's also the easiest one to learn. Now, what you're going to do is every single time you see an ace or a ten, you're going to subtract one. Okay, if you see a seven, eight, and nine, those are zero value cards and you're not gonna do anything with the count. If you see a two, three, four, five, or six, then all of these are plus one value and you're gonna add to the count. So if you see a two, that's plus one. If you see a three, now you're at two. If you see a five, you're at three. If you see an ace, you're back to two. You see what I'm saying? So it's just adding and subtracting. Okay. Super easy, right? <laughs> Super easy. Super okay. easy. Okay. Now, um, that is the high-low. Just so you know, it's also called uh, plus or minus, and it is usually used for most counting systems. Now, if you want to do just single deck, let's say you found a single deck and you want to do a counting system for just a single deck game, then what you would use is the high opt one. And the high opt one count system was created by Lance Humble. And this is really good for the single deck. And how you do that is all of the aces are grouped with the zero crowd. So that way there's no chance of an ace busting a hard 16 or hurting a double down hand. So in that case, all of the tens are valued as negative one, so they are subtracted from the count. All of the aces, twos, sevens, eights, and nines are zero value, and all of the three, four, five, and six are valued as plus one, so you would add that to the count. And that helps with the single deck. So the single deck is the only deck you get the true count, Everything else is basically the running count, and I'll explain that here in just a few minutes. Okay. Um, the last one, the last system that we're going to go over is the 10 count, and that was created by Edward Thorpe in his book, Beat the Dealer. And this is basically what you use to take advantage of the uh, insurance. So same thing, um, all of the 10s are minus one, and everything else is zero. So what you're doing with the tens count is you're just keeping count of all of the tens. That way, when you have insurance, when the dealer has an ace up, you know the probability of whether there's a 10 underneath that ace or not. So you know whether to take insurance or not. And that's the whole reason why you're doing the 10 count. Uh -huh. So depending on what um, weakness you want to take advantage of would depend on what count you would use. Any questions so far? So... Going back to the the legit counting, the plus one, minus one stuff, that one. See, here's the problem <laughs> that I would have. I'd need a freaking calculator to be keeping track <laughs> of the plus one, minus one, plus one, plus three, minus two, blah, 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 blah. 
No way. My my tiny little brain could never make that happen. Well, you think that, but here's the thing. We humans are remarkable creatures, and homework is amazing. Just saying. Yeah. Practicing at home is actually one of the ways that you do card counting. You can't just go on blackjack table and be like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> now I'm going to totally rule this place. I'm going to clean this place I'm gonna out. I'm going to clean this place out. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You have to spend hours of at-home practice actually practicing right. what you're going to do. So let's talk about that. Um, what do you do to practice? What's your homework? You know, yeah, it's good to know you have homework, but what's your homework? So the first thing that you're going to do is identify card value. You're going to have a single deck in your hand and you're going to th go through the deck. You're not, you're not actually counting. You're just identifying the card value. So if you see a, uh, if you see a three, that's plus one. If you see a seven, that's zero. If you see a 10, that's negative one. That's all you're doing. So every time you see one of those cards, you're assigning a value to it. And you have to get through the whole deck just assigning the value to it. Um, you do this depending on uh, the count you do. So if you do the plus minus, you would practice that way. If you wanted to do the 10 count, you would practice that way. But whatever it was, that's how you would practice it. Um, after you have that skill down, uh, stone cold, then you would start on the next homework assignment. And what that is, is now you want to keep a running count. So now you know what the value is. Now you're going to do the same thing and go through the deck, but this time you're actually going to do plus one, minus one, plus two, plus three, minus one, which is two, you know, and then actually do the running count. Same thing. Um, sit at home you're going to have to do this a million times no doubt it's okay and then go through the deck and actually plus minus now by the end of the deck if you hit even or zero nine times out of ten you're ready to move on okay you know you're doing good and you're ready to move on now what i want you to do is i want you to do exactly the same thing but instead of one card at the time i want you to do two cards at a time so I want you to count two cards at a time, okay? And I want you to practice that over and over and over again until you can hit even at the end of the deck nine out of 10 times. So by the time you get to the end of the deck, if you're at zero, you know you did it right. I want you to do that nine out of 10 times. So it should always equal out to zero. It should always equal out to zero. And that's how you know you did it right. If, it, if you're at plus five and you've hit the end of the deck and you're, nah, you probably didn't do it right. You probably shouldn't go to the <laughs> casino and spend your money just yet. You're not quite ready to not knock off the Bellagio ready. yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, just so you know, um, a good card counter, they will count down a single deck in less than 20 seconds. What? No. Yeah. No, they won't. Yeah. 30 seconds is still good, but a professional card counter can do it in 20 seconds or less. <laughs> well, there goes that career for me. <laughs> From episode number 52, Superstitious Feeling, here's Stuart Vise. When you play the shot of the slot machine, any slot machine, you, or you play roulette, uh, or any of the games that are purely chance, right, where you're not actually involved at all, uh, include, and I, I would put, although, I mean, obviously, for some games, there are betting strategies, 
even if they're pure, purely chance, like craps. I don't actually, I have, I confess I don't understand craps, but, but I understand it involves dice. Right? Yes. That much and, I know and, too. That's, that's about right. as much as I know as well. <laughs> okay. So there's nothing you can do to make the die roll, you know, the way you want them to. Uh, that, that, that is the scientific fact. Um, but, the, but here's the here's the hedge on that right so so superstition will not help you in those contexts and yet and yet they're very common you know, you pointed uh, just as an aside you mentioned the the people tapping the the screens of the oh. slot machines and so forth um the bally people who make those some of those slot machines i don't know whether they've actually produced them yet but they have patented a special kind of slot machine that would actually respond to those superstitious taps on the screen, that they would give some kind of a feedback in order to, again, to try to monopolize on that and, and encourage the, the people to continue doing it. This, the idea being that people who, who do that tapping and if they're rewarded it for it in some way, that they'll keep playing, they'll, they'll play more. So, uh, so it's not, they're aware of this stuff. But there's nothing there's nothing at a at a at a slot machine or a or a roulette table that that will help you. Now that if you are actually engaged in a skilled activity, and here I think the better analogy is theater or sports, not so much the casino. Um, but if you're engaged in a in a skilled activity, um, it seems logical. At least it's it's possible, right? It, it, there is a possibility that there would be a psychological benefit that the that the superstition would give you, you know, a, a, a feeling that you've done something else that you've added to your to your circumstances, and that that psychological feeling would lead to better performance, right? Would lead to better uh, better hitting on the ball field or batting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that seems logical to me. And a few studies have tried to show that. And I have to confess that the results have so far been mixed. I mean, that may be the fault of the scientists that they haven't, they haven't done the right kind of studies yet. But, um, but so far, we can't say for sure that even that, even that works. So, uh, so it's, it's still an unanswered question, I would say. There have been some positive studies and some negative studies. So, so we shall see. But but there's no question, like, we, people are superstitious, right? And it's been going on for centuries. So something must support it. Uh, uh, my guess is that that it is the immediate feeling that you feel better doing it. Um, and, and whether that leads to better performance is still, we're not sure about that. The only superstition that I've come across for myself in a casino is that my wife can't be anywhere near me. She's, she's got this, this pall of, of, I don't know, bad luck and darkness that hangs around her in the casino. And one of these recent trips, we sat down at a machine and I put some cash in and I, she was standing there watching me and, and I was losing. And as she started walking away, I started winning again. She came back and I started losing again. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know if that's superstition or if that's just bad luck or what that is. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's not a scientific test, so uh, so we'll have to see. <laughs> you know, the test would be to have her stand there, but in such a way that you can't see that she's there, 
and have her, you know, go back. That I mean, here's here's the study I would design, right? Is that she's there, but you can't see her, right? Uh, and then have her move back and forth and see how your luck changes. But. <laughs> I'll meet you in the casino and we'll set something up. I don't know if I have enough money to do that scientific test, Stuart. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. We'll have to get a grant or something. And from episode number 54, Know the Limits, from Bet Mingo, here's Gabe Punsalin. The idea was hatched because I found that there was a lack of of knowledge on what's going on around you. And I and I understood that it would be a difficult problem to solve, but you have so many different actions happening. So tables can change, right? You can right. be at a table and it could go from $10 to 15 to 25 very quickly. But there were also times where tables at casinos that you wouldn't expect because people had a... Uh, preconceived notion that, oh, that, that's the win. That, that's going to be expensive. Don't even go there. Right. And surprisingly, there's tables empty because everybody thought the same thing. And they have $10 tables. And so I said, you know, how can we, uh, or, you know, as gamblers, have more information to make the experience more effective, make the ability to go to where we want to play more effective, and that's why I said there, I looked it up and there was nothing out there like what I was thinking of. And so that's why I decided to start this project. And, and I was playing around with the app a little bit and, and I got to say like, it is, it's very cool and it's very user friendly and it's very organized and very well set up. And, and essentially, as I say, like it allows people in, in more or less in real time to tell people Hey, the the tables over here are great, or the tables are low. I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest Las Vegas complaints right now is that people they don't know where those lower limit tables are, or those you know, or the higher limit tables for that matter. They don't know where those are, and this is a way for people to to actually get that information in real time, isn't it? Correct, and you know, everybody has kind of an idea where. All right, if I want to play or find a five ten dollar game, most likely you would go down to Fremont Street or you would go here, you'd go there off the strip. Um, if I was here on this particular weekend, all right, sure. There's uh, you can assume pretty accurately that these certain casinos will be more expensive or whatnot, but it's not necessarily always true. And I think uh, having that information and really just having any little bit of extra information can help dictate where you go. As far as, um, say you step out of your hotel on the strip, you have six hotels around you. Uh And so you go, all right, which hotel should we go to? At this point, it could be a crapshoot. But with Betmingo, you may notice that, oh, this casino, as of 30 minutes ago, had this game at this valuation with these rules. Versus the other four or five didn't even have it. So at least that whittles down the direction you're going to go and can get you to playing your favorite game faster. And other than just the table limits and such, is there other info that you collect as far as how hot a table is or or how much fun people are having or or things like that? So currently, um, when developing an app, uh, we wanted to drill down 
on the main functionality of what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, since there was nothing of an app, you know, some, anything like this, we had to really focus on, all right, what are the key performance metrics or what is the value we're trying to provide visitors to Las Vegas? So currently, uh, we're focused on table minimums, a generalized crowd score. And when we say generalized, there's only three taps. It's either going to be, uh, I think, empty. Uh, there's going to be a crowd score of, of light and then a crowd score of crowded. And we don't really have that defined in the, the app, but people can just kind of put like, all right, if the table's dead, it's empty. Uh-huh. If it's light, you know, we're looking at, is it half full, crowded? You know, is it three quarters or all the way full? Um, and then we also provide rules. So, for example, craps is my favorite game. Uh, we'll put uh, the odds, any kind of bonus that's going on, and uh, just kind of a loose idea of what the conditions are of that table. Uh, the future, yeah, we are looking at doing a vibe score. We're looking at adding, you know, how fast do the drinks flow? Like, is the dealer fun or not? Like, all these different metrics, once we start adding these future these futures on, uh, will combine into some... Uh, through an algorithm of some sort that we have, that we're still devising into a, like a score that like a Rotten Tomatoes or whatever that'll give you an idea of how this table is at this casino. I hope you've enjoyed this little trek back through some of my past conversations on gambling, gaming, and more. For the full episodes, head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com or jump into the archives wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And that wraps up yet another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also email me directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. 